Welcome to the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Well, on this week's show, we're going to be focusing on the fallout from last week's local elections. I'll be joined by Steve Fisher from Oxford University to try and understand more about what the elections tell us about British politics, but more importantly, what they can, what they can and can't tell us about what might happen in the upcoming general election. I'll be speaking to Steve later. Also later, I'll be unveiling the latest in our rounds of Polling Matters opinion surveys. This week, we focus on what the public think about some of the arguments Theresa May's been making recently, mainly on whether the EU is interfering in British democracy, but also whether a stonking Conservative majority will strengthen her hand in EU negotiations. We'll also ask the public how they feel about the prospect of a large three-figure Conservative majority. More on that later on the show. But first, to my conversation with Steve Fisher. Now, many of you uh, will know Steve, of course, from Elections Etc., where he um, does lots of forecasting work and work on elections. You also might know him as one part of the uh, exit poll, a very successful exit poll that my company, GFK, um, run the fieldwork for in in partnership with Ipsos Mori. Steve's one of the team that crunches the numbers and produces those figures that John Curtis um, unveils on the BBC. Um, So I'll be talking to him a bit about that, but also about his work forecasting both the local and upcoming general elections and what his impressions are of the campaign so far. So without further ado, over to my conversation with Steve. It lasts about 20 minutes or so. And then after that, I'll be unveiling the latest in our Polling Matters opinion surveys. So for now, over to me and Steve. I'm here with Steve Fisher, Associate Professor in Political Sociology at Trinity College, Oxford. Steve also runs the elections and forecasting site, electionsetc.com. Steve, welcome to Polling Matters. Thank you very much. So, Steve, um, you will need no introduction to uh, many people uh, in the sort of polling and elections world, but I'm sure there are some people uh, that listen to this show that maybe haven't come across your work before. So I guess before we crack on, it'd be good for you just to give us a bit of an overview as to the type of work you do on elections and I guess particularly what you're going to be doing on this one. Okay, so as an academic, I do various bits of research on elections, voting and public opinion. Um, I look into polling methodology and I'm interested in election forecasting. So the Elections Etc. website uh, was initially uh, for me to blog a little bit about local election results and stuff I um, picked up on uh, while I was working at the BBC. And then I used it for election forecasting um, and Jonathan Jones kindly made the uh, website much better and helped me a lot on that in 2015. I started forecasting the 2015 election from 20 months out and was predicting a a Tory lead and a Tory uh, majority initially and then it all went downhill from there (laughs) um, as the Tories failed to recover. I did a Brexit forecast as well, whereas I was one of the people saying that Remain would outperform the opinion polls, uh, and that didn't happen. Um, And uh, just recently, I did some projections for the local elections, and I will um, hopefully very soon um, manage to do a general election forecast, but there are lots of strategic decisions there that I still haven't um, uh, decided on. Sure. So let's talk about the local elections, obviously the big story of the last week over here. Um, I mean, what was your what was your projection and how did that mirror with what ended up happening? So I did three different projections, England, Scotland and Wales separately. Um, The England model was much more like my usual model that I've been uh, using for a few years now. It's a very simple idea that change in the polls 
will be linked to changing seats in the in the uh, local election round, and and since local elections are on a sort of four year cycle, um, you look at change in the polls uh, since four years ago, and uh, and by running regressions on the long run history of this stuff, going back to the early eighties. Uh, you can kind of work out roughly what sort of change in the polls ought to lead to what sort of seat change for each party. And uh, this year was quite interesting um, because the local elections occurred um, just after a big boost in the polls for the Conservatives after the general election was called. And, and my forecast, therefore, was predicting big Conservative gains and big Labour losses. And Liberal Democrats were actually down slightly in the polls um, uh, at the time I did the forecast um, in England uh, from where they were in 2013. So I was predicting small losses, uh, 30 for the Liberal Democrats. And uh, and that caught the flavour of the actual results, but in some senses for the wrong reasons, because um, the reasons the Liberal Democrats were down in seats in my model was because they were down in votes in the opinion polls. The reason they actually lost seats in the local election was because even though they went up in votes, the Tories went up more in votes, and that might be a big issue for the general election uh, because the general election vote intention polls are showing swings from the Liberal Democrats to the Conservatives. And, and presumably Scotland was quite difficult to forecast given the electoral system, was it? I mean, that's, is yes. there, are there different so, considerations that go into that? So for Scotland, I thought it was interesting for me first uh, looking at just how proportional the Scottish uh, electoral system is. They use STV. Um, and STV is a form of proportional representation, should be really proportional. Um, but the implementation of STV they have in Scotland has the lowest district magnitude. I uh, Fewer um, actual councillors are elected from each district than any other implementation elsewhere in the world. Um, and one of the things we know about electoral systems is the more individual councillors or, or MPs you're electing from one district, uh, the more proportional it will be all the way up to the Netherlands where there's just one national district mm. um, and they apply the PR rule um, for the Netherlands as a whole. Um, I, despite that, actually, if you look at 2007 and 2012 in Scotland, the only two previous implementations of uh, STV in Scotland uh, for local elections, there's pretty strong uh, proportional relationship between the first preference votes and, and, and seats. Um, and then I just kind of said, well, let's look at the change in the general election vote intention polls since uh five years ago, 2012, when uh, Scotland last had local elections. And what you saw there was the Labour Party were down 25 points in the polls since 2012. And so I produced a prediction of a massive drop for Labour, which never happened because Labour weren't down anywhere near so much. And, and the SNP weren't up uh, at all, particularly this year on, on their performance in 2012, even though the general election uh, 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 vote intention polls show them being up 11 points on 2012. Um, after all, you know, there's a lot that's happened in Scotland with the independence referendum yeah. in 2014. Yeah. Um, and uh, and the, 
we saw in the general election and in the Scottish Parliament election last year, um, the SNP riding high. The results of these local elections in Scotland actually represent, a, I think, roughly a 15-point drop for the SNP since 2015 and a 10-point drop uh, since last year in the Scottish Parliament election. So um, either it's telling us that Scottish local government is really different um, and the politics of local government in Scotland uh, are quite different, or they provide some kind of reason to be a little bit cautious about the general election vote intention polls in Scotland. Um, but they certainly did provide evidence that the Tories are um, picking up considerable support in um, in Scotland and, and they came second uh, this year in the local elections just as they did last year in the Scottish Parliament elections. Mm. I want to come to the results themselves but before we go that way um, I mean, do you think as someone that forecasts elections, it's getting more difficult now? I mean, we've talked about um, the problems with polling itself on this podcast, and I'm sure we'll come to that in this discussion. But I mean, politics does seem to be in such a state of flux at the moment with these various referendums that are um, shifting party allegiances. So does that make it more difficult to model what's going on? Because obviously the old rules uh, don't seem to apply anymore, or do they? Um it does make it more difficult. Um, uh, the actual experience I've been just talking about for the local elections, the more I'm reflecting on it, the more uh, the lesson seems to be that um, dynamics of local elections are becoming somewhat even more separate than they used to be from dynamics of uh, general election vote intention. Um, and I think that's an interesting uh, development in politics. And the other thing that's massively in flux is uh, the way that votes flow between the parties and uh, processes of realignment in Scotland separately from England. In Scotland, uh, what we're seeing overwhelmingly um, in most recently is, is remain... Sorry, uh, we're seeing people who supported... Um, remaining in the United Kingdom, i.e. voting no in the independence uh, referendum in 2014, uh, moving much more to the Conservatives as, as now the standard bearers for the union in Scotland. In England, we're seeing uh, leavers, people who voted leave in the EU referendum, moving uh, overwhelmingly to the Conservatives, and most notably that is people who voted UKIP now switching to the Conservatives um, since last year. Mm. So let's go back to the result. I mean, you've mentioned some of the results there themselves, but I mean, what struck you most from the actual ballots that were cast, the actual re the results themselves? It looks like a obviously a remarkable night for the Conservatives when we consider that they've been in power for, what, seven years. And the Labour Party, I mean, where does it all end for them? So the Labour Party lost a lot of seats, but um, they didn't lose a lot of votes. Um, in the places in England where all the three main parties were standing, they were down only on average by about a point. Um, they lost a lot of seats because they were um, uh, being overtaken uh, by the Conservatives, who were up massively on uh, 2012 uh, or 2013. And... Uh, the uh, and that, as I was saying, is largely to do with uh, the UKIP vote um, flowing to the Conservatives. Um, so if you look uh, across a lot of county electoral divisions in England, what you see is the UKIP vote falling by about uh, three quarters of its original level and the Conservative go vote going up uh, by about 50% of the original 
you kept voting in that division. Um, and that was the main driver of, of change and seat losses for the for the Labour Party. Um, and Although there's presumably some there's presumably some old Labour voters in that that went to UKIP but then went to the Conservatives. Would that be fair, or do, or do we think these are yes, Conservatives yes. coming home? So uh, there is a, still a bit of a debate and a kind of um, an unsettled analysis, shall we say, of uh, the flows of the vote to UKIP in 2015. Um, I think one reasonable consensus is uh, they got a lot from both Conservatives and former Labour supporters, um, and there are different trajectories. I mean, one very uh, prominent one is people voting Labour in 2005, Conservative in 2005. Uh, ten to kick out the the brown government um, and then uh, UKIP in 2015 and then the question is when they go if they now vote conservative are they going back to conservative mm. or are they going back to uh, um, conservative temporarily when they might eventually go back to Labour again and and that we're just seeing many more sort of floating voters on on that side of politics willing to go for the um, party that will either lead the country best in their view or um, voice their concerns best. Um, the, uh, the, one of the patterns uh, you can see in the local elections is, is that swing from UKIP to the Conservatives is slightly stronger in places where you might expect that the UKIP vote was more former Tories than former Labour. Um, and places where there's um, higher unemployment, um, and so the UKIP vote might be a bit more labour than Conservative, um, actually the swing from UKIP to the Conservatives is slightly weaker. And I suppose how the Labour Party tries to unpick that uh, in the future is going to be a, 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 real, um, a real challenge. I want to come on to the general election itself. So, I mean, one of the numbers that's been doing the rounds is this idea of a projected um, national share of the vote from the local elections. And this has caused um, a lot of excitement, I guess, uh, lots of um, uh, brow furrowing. Um, so this um, projected national vote share from the local elections um, said that the Conservatives on, on 38, Labour 27, Liberal Democrats 18, um, UKIP 5, and then I guess others on around 12. Now that's obviously extrapolating from uh, those places where there were elections what the national vote share would be. Um, mm -hmm. How much does that tell us about what might happen in June? Because, I mean, many people have looked at those numbers and said, OK, Conservatives ahead of Labour by 11 points. That means the polls are wrong again and maybe the, the gap is um, tighter than some of the opinion polls are saying. Is that a fair criticism? I mean, how, how do you look at those numbers in terms of what they tell us about June? Uh, I don't think that is a fair criticism. As I was saying earlier, I think there's evidence in all the three nations local elections that actually there's a bit of disjuncture between um, dynamics of local elections and changing patterns of support and uh, the national vote intention polls for the general election. And if you look at, for instance, at the Welsh barometer that Roger Scully runs, in this very same poll, he asked local vote intention and general election vote intention got very different figures. Um, and indeed, the local election results in Wales kind of fit much more with the local vote intention, which means that 
actually that provides more comfort um, that the general election vote intention, which is shockingly showing the Conservatives might uh, win in Wales for the first time for over 100 years, um, might actually hold up. Uh, the other thing to notice is that in the broad scheme of things, the local elections confirm that the Conservatives are doing well and Labour are doing badly. And really, in uh, a time when local elections are being held not on a general same day as a general election, we ought to see the opposition party making gains and the governing party or parties uh, making losses. And it was quite the reverse. Um, the uh, Going back to a very specific point about the projected national share of the vote and indeed Rallings and Thrasher's national equivalent vote. They both had an 11-point lead for the Conservatives over Labour and an 11-point lead is only a bit bigger than the 7-point lead we saw in the general election uh, in 2015 and it's a lot smaller than uh, the sort of 16 or 17-point lead we're seeing in the average of the polls at the moment. So yes, it might lead us to be a little bit more cautious about whether or not um, Theresa May is heading for a massive landslide, um, but uh, uh, equally you can't really rule out the possibility. It just shows you that actually local elections are never going to reflect full, uh, fully the swings in general election vote intention. Uh, and so the polls might be just as right and they might still actually manage to underestimate the Conservatives and overestimate Labour as they've done on most occasions in the post-war period. It is, it is that eternal, eternally difficult uh, thing to get right, isn't it? I mean, just talking more generally, I guess, as your impressions of the campaign, I mean, you've obviously covered several elections. Um, I mean, what do you make of this one? I mean, I find it a hard one to read because, I mean, it, A, it came at us very quickly, so everyone's kind of finding their feet and trying to get used to the fact that there is an election and, and what's happening. But also it feels like there's this kind of almost sombre attitude that suggests turnout might be very low because everyone assumes Theresa May is going to, to win big regardless of frustrations over her campaigning style. And Jeremy Corbyn's getting asked every second day whether he's going to stay on after he loses. So it feels like a slightly strange election campaign to me. I mean, what have you what have you made of it? Yeah, I share your view of that. Um, I'm, I still haven't really thought through whether I think turnout is going to go up or down. I, I think the polling figures sh are showing um, reasonable levels of people saying they're likely to vote, and we'll see how that settles down closer to the actual election. Um, the uh, issue of Brexit is clearly dominant, and people are buying the idea largely that um, uh, Theresa May needs a bigger majority in order to uh, play a strong hand in the Brexit negotiations. Uh, I also think that Brexit as an issue um, is clearly much more about leadership than it is about the policies. We haven't seen that much discussion about how uh, Brexit negotiations ought to be conducted and what the aims uh, of the Brexit negotiations ought to be. Um, I am, in truth, slightly disturbed by how much more it's being framed as a war against the rest of Europe. Um, uh, that is clearly playing to the Conservatives' advantage. Um, the more the country feels as though it is at war with the rest of Europe, the more uh, there's likely to be a rallying around the government effect. Um, uh, we see that with real wars, but um, uh, this could be a kind of uh, rallying around the government for an imaginary war. Um, and one sign of that uh, is a recent YouGov poll that showed uh, that 51% um, agreed 
uh, with Theresa May's statement that um, other EU leaders are trying to influence the result of this general election. Um, and that figure rose to something like 70% amongst those uh, inclined to support the Conservatives mm. uh, or UKIP, um, which is really quite startling since I think the analysis from most of the um, commentators in the broadsheet media and and so on uh, thought it was actually misleading to suggest that uh, uh, other EU leaders uh, are a, care about uh, the size of the Conservative majority and B, trying to influence the result. Um, yeah, I suppose we've got to just hope it's electioneering. I made the, uh, I, I created a sort of slightly strange metaphor last week of a boxing analogy where the boxers talk about, be, you know, killing each other before the fight, but then ultimately when the fight's over, they all kind of hug and they say how much they respect each other. I hope there's some some sort of uh, parallels with Brexit negotiations. But I guess the reason to be slightly sceptical is that, well, Theresa May hasn't really made a habit of um, showing uh, con- a conciliatory tone to Europe yet, and she doesn't seem to have any political reason to be incentivized to do so. Every time she uh, shows a hard line, she seems to get almost rewarded for it. So... Uh, it will be Indeed. it will be sort of uh, fascinating to see how that kind of manifests itself um, in the future. I mean, one party we haven't spoken about too much yet is the Liberal Democrats. Um, mm-hmm. There was this assumption that being the sort of most overtly Remain party, that they would have a very good general election. And I suppose there's mixed messages coming out here, isn't there? I mean, on the one hand, they haven't seen to make any sort of breakthrough of any real meaning in the opinion polls. But then the national share of the vote did seem to be up in the local elections. So, I mean, what do you make of their prospects? It doesn't. It seems like uh, expectations are dampening by the day if you're a Liberal Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right about all of that uh, and goes back to a uh, previous point about we don't know whether the Liberal Democrats being up in the local elections is confirmation that they're becoming, again, a party that does well in local elections as they've mostly been since uh, they were formed uh, in the early 1990s, um, or whether it's actually a sign that uh, their support in the polls is not adequately reflecting um, the likely success they'll have in a general election when they campaign heavily and they get more media exposure. Um, that remains to be seen, mm-hmm. though I would be inclined at the moment to uh, trust the polls a bit more rather than assume that local election performance is a better guide to general election behaviour. Uh, the a big problem that the Liberal Democrats face is, is uh, even if they're up a bit and, they, and quite a considerable bit, uh, if the Tories are going up more, uh, that will hurt them. And the uh, national uh, polls are showing, in effect, swings from the uh, Liberal Democrats to the Conservatives uh, because the Tories are up more than the Liberal Democrats. And uh, there are good reasons to believe that that means actually Liberal Democrat seats are at risk rather than um, the Liberal Democrats likely to make considerable gains as Remainers flow towards the Liberal Democrats. There's a little bit of that, uh, but not a lot. Um, There is some signs in the local election data that those places where the Remain vote was higher or estimated to be higher, I should say, mm. um, are where there are more graduates who are kind of the traditional basis of uh, the Liberal Democrat vote socially. Um, they did swing a bit more towards the Liberal Democrats, but not by nearly enough. So even in the places which were the most Remain and had more than 34% graduates, uh, there was still 
a small net swing to the Conservatives from the Liberal Democrats. And so that is why they lost seats in the local mm. elections. And that kind of pattern could well be repeated in the general election. I, I must confess, I, I have taken Ian Warren's advice on Sporting Index, uh, where the Liberal Democrats were on tw- selling at 24 seats. So uh, uh-huh. uh, I, I, I've, I've taken the slight gamble of, of uh, selling them at £10 a seat at 24 seats. So uh, if there is a Liberal Democrat surge and they break 25 seats, you'll expect to see me looking very uh, forlorn on social media. But um, it's nothing personal, Liberal Democrats. It's just uh, I think that the bookies are slightly overstating their uh, position at the moment. Um, I'm guessing from uh, Steve, from what you're saying, that y- y- you seem to uh, be more on the side that we're looking at a conservative landslide of sorts, however we define that, rather than this kind of narrowing that was suggested by uh, the projected national vote of the um, local elections. Is that fair? Have you done much uh, forecasting work yet on, on this? For, for so I would, if pushed, that's what I would say. Yes, I do expect um, the Conservatives to do better in the general election than they've done in the local elections. Um, and uh, I expect people to treat it rather differently. Um, and uh, that's partly, in truth, my reading of the campaign and uh, and uh, the problems that Labour are facing so far in, in presenting their message and, and getting their message across and uh, mm. uh, reactions to the leadership. And, uh, you know, steady and consistent flow of polling data showing that um, uh, Labour do face um, considerable problems with um, perceptions of credibility and competence and mm. uh, uh, and um, the Conservative figures are strikingly much, much better. Um, uh, so I don't see much basis on which to uh, expect the Conservative vote not to go up considerably. I must admit, I would be astonished if it was sub 40. I mean, that would be really surprising. Um, yeah. I mean, whether it's, you know, closer to 50 or closer to 45, I mean, the, you know, therein lies uh, the detail, I guess. Um Let's let's close by talking a bit about France. Um, obviously, we shouldn't we shouldn't allow ourselves to think we're the only game in town. Um, we have a new French president, President Macron. Um, I mean, what was your reaction to that? I mean, I guess the pollsters, on the one hand, had a slightly worse night, in fact, didn't they, uh, with the runoff than they did with the um, with the first round, which really was very impressive. Um, so, I'd just like to get your comments on that, and then maybe more generally about what you think his election uh, means for France and Europe. Um, so my reaction uh, to that was um, slightly tragically to wonder how well the polls did. Um, <laughs> uh, they did fantastically um, in the first round, you know, extraordinary levels of accuracy. Slightly less well um, uh, this time, um, if I remember rightly, um, the result was... Uh, An average um, error of about four, yeah. yeah. Average error of about four, Um and uh, and so um, you know that's still not too bad by the standards of opinion polls um, cross nationally. Uh, I think that uh, it, if you're on uh, anything vaguely close to um, uh, Macron's side rather than Le Pen's side, that's obviously got to be a good thing for France and, and the vast majority of people. Uh, clearly, in France, would prefer uh, a Macron presidency. Um, the key question will be whether he can govern, how he will be able to govern. Um, the legislative elections that are coming up will be absolutely key to that. France is a semi-presidential system, which means that um, essentially the 
people who govern are the people with a majority in the assembly, not the president. And uh, you only have to look at those periods of cohabitation or uh, like um, Mitterrand experienced um, in the 80s and Chirac with Jospin in the 90s uh, to see how little power a president can have if, if the assembly has a majority. Um, I am not clear enough how well En Marche are doing in um, running candidates in all the different seats and uh, whether they're going to be deals with the PS um, in order to try to um, cobble together a majority on the left. Uh, I imagine the Republicans are going to be fuming at uh, the failure of their candidate in the presidential system and want to brush that off very quickly and and uh, put an awful lot of effort into trying to uh, win seats in the assembly. Um, I imagine that many of their um, um, top brass and more broadly in the party are thinking that this really ought to have been uh, their year and they could still make it their year if they do really well um, in the um, legislative elections. Um, now, issues of momentum here are, are very important. Um, uh, if uh, Marsh can keep the momentum uh, going, then uh, maybe they can do it. But I think in some ways, winning a majority um, to back Macron in the Assembly is an even more remarkable feat than winning this presidential election mm. and it'll be much more difficult. And I guess a final question from me. I, I have a suspicion, uh, particularly if the Labour Party do go down to a very big defeat in June, that there will be a lot of speculation as to whether some kind of similar movement, maybe not exactly the same, but obviously different electoral systems that we're talking about, but whether there could be some kind of new political movement of the left uh, in the UK, uh, uh, on Marsh.uk maybe. Um, how likely do you see that as being? I mean, presumably it would be quite difficult for someone similar to do to, to replicate what happened in France in the UK. But then at the same time, maybe we shouldn't be too sceptical because we do live in a time of change. I mean, do, do, you, do you think we should just dismiss those sorts of uh, thoughts out of hand, uh, reading across from France to the UK, or could there be something in that? Um, I certainly think that something of that flavour within the Labour Party might end up being very successful uh, if there's a change of leadership um, for the Labour Party after the next election. I'm much more sceptical about the idea of another political party. I mean, in some ways, that the closest parallel that would have would be with the formation of the SDP in the 1980s, and we know what happened there. Um, uh, the parliamentary system, uh, and more particularly the Westminster parliamentary system, um, uh, political scientists use the term Westminster parliamentary system not just to mean the British system but uh, but a parliamentary system dominated by two main parties with first past the post um, that's a very difficult system in which to start a new party uh, and and form a majority government on the basis of a new party um, there's no like there was in the early 20th century compelling social reason why uh, there needs to be a restructuring um, of politics around a different pattern of social cleavages, um, even though we are witnessing some sort of changes in that direction post-Brexit referendum. Um, I still think that the, the dominant um, and default position is you take the existing machines, the Conservative and Labour parties, uh, and the political entrepreneur um, who 
has to try and kind of somehow capture those machines in order to win rather than start new ones. Steve Fisher, thank you very much for your time. That was Steve Fisher there from Oxford University. A big thanks to Steve for taking the time to speak to me. I hope certainly hope you enjoyed that conversation. Um, just in the closing couple of minutes, I wanted to focus on the latest Polling Matters Opinion survey. This is part of a series of surveys that we run with Opinion. Um, this week, same as usual, a nationally representative sample of 2005 respondents online over last weekend. Now, in this poll, I was trying to find out more information about what the public thought about the prospect of a large Conservative victory, but also what they thought about some of the arguments that Theresa May was uh, making um, about the general election. So we started off by asking whether uh, people thought the EU was interfering or not in the uh, UK general election. So we said, Theresa May has accused the European Union of interfering with the British general election. Do you agree the EU is trying to interfere in the UK general election? Disagree the EU is not trying to interfere in the UK general election or don't know? And what we found was that 41% agreed, 28% disagreed and 31% didn't know. Now, with this sort of poll finding, it's always worth uh, dwelling on the don't knows a little bit. Um, three in ten say that they don't know what you know what's happening there. But it is striking that you know 41% uh, agreed that the EU was trying to interfere, including some 59% of Leave voters. Um, so public opinion, as ever, very much on the side of the Prime Minister at the moment, uh, and not really on the side of the sort of political commentators um, that uh, opposed what she said. And uh, Steve referenced that in our conversation earlier, and there was a very similar poll done by YouGov, which shows very much the same thing. And so I think we can be safely uh, assured that certainly on the Leave side of the referendum argument, but generally speaking, uh, in the public as a whole, there is a slight uh, plurality, I guess, uh, for people thinking that the Prime Minister is right there. Although we should say that there is a sizable chunk of the population that don't know. Moving on, we also asked, uh, thinking ahead to the negotiations over Britain's exit from the EU, do you think that the Conservatives winning a large majority would make it more or less likely that Britain is able to get a satisfactory deal from the EU? Um, and what we found here was that 39% said that it was more likely that Britain would get a good deal or a satisfactory deal if um, uh, the Conservatives win a large majority. 16% said it was less likely. 33% said neither more or less likely and 12% didn't know. So again, a sizable chunk of people, uh, almost um, almost half, 45% either said neither or didn't know. But at the same time, you do have people more likely to say that they think the Prime Minister is right when she says that a large majority will, will give her a, you know, a, a bigger bargaining hand, if you like, in the EU negoti Brexit negotiations uh, than if, if, she, if she doesn't. So ultimately there um you know again public opinion agreeing strongly with the prime minister now it's not surprising that that is largely driven by conservative voters 76% of conservative voters think that um the prime minister is more likely to get a good deal with a large majority labor voters very much uh, uh not of that opinion and also leave voters as well 52% of leave voters think that um that a large conservative majority strengthens her hand 6% uh, say it makes it weaker. Um, again, with them, 42% either don't know or say it's neither more or less likely. So it does seem in this election, part, and I guess this is reflected in the polls, that the um, the public are generally um, buying a lot of the arguments that the Prime Minister is making. Now, whether you think that's right or wrong is, is maybe a separate conversation, but it, clearly the numbers are there. Now, we also asked, interestingly, a question that said, um, asked people how they felt about the prospect of a Conservative majority of 100 seats or more. 
So we asked, many forecasts suggest that the result of this general election will be a large conservative majority, e.g. 100 seats or more. How does this prospect make you feel? And what we did here was we put uh, a, a range of um, nine different statements to people, relaxed, worried, reassured, angry, happy, guilty, proud, thrilled and despair, and asked people to choose you know, what the prospect of a conservative majority of 100 or more um, meant to them, how, how it made them feel. And among the public as a whole, interestingly, actually, it wasn't all positive. The biggest, um, the most associated phrase or word, I guess, um, with the prospect of a 100-seat majority of the Conservative was worried. 33% said they'd be worried by that prospect. And 29% said they'd feel despair. So quite contradictory almost to the opinion polls at the moment that have the Conservatives largely ahead. And it does make me wonder whether this idea of um, the blank check and you know, voting for Labour to stop the Tories having a big majority may very well be an effective line to use um, with Labour considerers, you know, people that are maybe Labour voters historically but are, are wavering at the moment. I mean, if we look at those people that say they are going to vote Labour at the moment, it won't be a surprise to you to know that 64% of them say that they're worried about the prospect of a large uh, Conservative victory. And also, if we look at some of the other numbers, 56% say they'd feel despair. Now, not surprisingly, the Conservatives are most likely to feel happy, so, sorry, reassured, 58% feel reassured by the prospect of a large Conservative majority, or happy, 52% uh, feel happy. So, I mean, interesting numbers there, a different way of asking uh, this question to try and put emotions um, to, to uh, the prospect of a large Conservative win. But surprisingly to me, um, not, not lots of enthusiasm for that scale of victory. So it'll be interesting to see what happens um, at the general election itself. Nevertheless, though, I must say, um, it does seem like uh, whether people are happy or worried or however they feel about that, that does seem to be the most likely uh, outcome at the moment. But of course, we are about four weeks or so, uh, just, uh, just under a month away from voting day itself. So obviously things can change. Um, but that's all we've got time for for this week's uh, politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. If you like what you hear, do share us on social media. Do like our um, Facebook page, that's Polling Matters. And if you have iTunes or any other sort of podcast app that you're listening to, please uh, go on there and give us a, a five-star rating and a, and a comment. It really does help get the, the show's voice out there. I don't really fully understand the reasons behind that, but there is something in the um, algorithm that makes um, comments and ratings bump us up the charts, but also uh, get us on you know, various uh, websites that are like new and newsworthy and all these things that help grow our audience. So if you do really like the show, please do that. That really would help us out a lot. But for now, um, thanks for listening and stay tuned for more episodes in the coming weeks where we'll be focusing on the campaign in more detail. So thanks for listening.